0: This is Cybite, episode 125, for April 8th, 2014. everyone and welcome back to SciByte, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast, live on a Tuesday and fresh on a Wednesday over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. My name is Chris and joining us every single week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather. Hey there, Chris. Hey, Heather, happy science to you.
1: Happy science. So what are we going to
0: talk about today?
1: Today, we're going to take a look at a new cancer drug, a dwarf planet, new dinosaur, spacecraft updates... Curiosity News, and as always, take a peek back in history and up in the sky this week.
0: Holy cow, well, why don't we kick it off with the news? Well, I said with the news. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Now, Heather, while I'm looking sternly at the computer, what is our first story this week?
1: A new study has developed a new drug, ZL-105, that can manipulate the body's natural signals and energy systems so that it allows the body to attack and shut down cancer cells on its own. Wow. So nearly 50% of all chemotherapy regimens now are based on uh, platinum. They're platinum-based drugs, and those damage DNA. Now, they can't tell the difference between cancer cells and non-cancer cells, so it just goes out and it kind of willy-nilly attacks everything. Now, this new drug, uh, it's uh, made up from precious metal iridium, it's specifically designed to know not to attack DNA, so healthy DNA it goes it has this different mechanism that says only dramatically slow down and halt cancer growth and it also has significantly reduced side effects hmm. so generally existing cancer treatments they become less effective after the first course because cancer cells learn how they're being attacked, so they kind of learn different ways to Get around that.
0: Mm.
1: Now, this new drug isn't, isn't fighting against the cancer so much. What it's doing is that it's acting as a catalyst to do various different things to the cancer at low doses. So, cancer cells, they have this, you know, powerhouse. And that's what allows them to just multiply and invade and just go crazy. But if you can mess with that powerhouse… But this drug actually can, does. Then it's dropping the it's dropping the energy it has itself in order to multiply, and it's what it's doing is it's causing them to slow down and shut down, while normal cells in your healthy uh, immune system can actually catch up to it and attack it. Okay. Right. And it's not doing it only through one way. It's going at it multiple ways, as I said. So it, the cancer is less able to sort of adapt to it because it's being attacked from multiple different angles. So it's much more effective than existing treatments. And in fact, there is some preliminary data that says it may be 10 times more effective in treating ovarian, colon, melanoma, renal, some breast cancers. So all these different kinds of cancers they've tested so far, wow. 10 times more effective. Wow. Now they're aiming to sort of expand the study into... Cancers that are resistant to existing drugs, um, or you know, chemotherapy treatments. So their sort of goal is, say, all right, first level of business, let's check out the drugs. Let's see if we can tweak it to attack these cancers that chemo cannot get to.
0: Hmm. So right now, right now, this has actually been tested on people. Yes,
1: Um, people. I'm not sure that it has. I think it's been done. Yeah. yeah, it's been tested against uh, those various cancers that I spoke of, ovarian, yeah. colon, and such.
0: Um, and so what I find to be fascinating about this is it sounds like it would work in conjunction with other treatments. Yes. But it sort of gives those other treatments a fighting chance that they didn't have before.
1: Yeah, it seems like this is a treatment that would can work on its own
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, at low doses. But indeed, as you said, it could be used as a cocktail with other things. So that if you have this... Then you're, you know, you're helping your body attack it itself, and maybe you can get away with a lower dose of the chemo-like drugs that are attacking healthy cells as well.
0: It's based on iridium too, which is like, wow, like that's a metal.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, all the other drugs right now are kind of platinum-based, so it's also okay. Uh, so they are precious metal-based wow. drugs. Wow, it's I just didn't using realize. a Different type. I didn't
0: realize. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that's how they made that. That's incredible. That's pretty high-tech stuff, Heather. Is there any other uh, notes on that story?
1: Uh, No, just really looking forward to how that pushes forward.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Let us know. All right. Well, guess what? I've been working on something really cool. Uh, If you go over to the Instagram page that we've been setting up, Instagram.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting, we have some pictures of the new studio in progress. Um, It is in progress. But uh, today we posted uh, some shots of some of the sound insulation that's that's currently being installed it's it's about 30 percent installed right now but we're still going I'll, I'll be going back over there tomorrow to work on it some more and we also have great pictures of some swag that folks have gotten some Jupiter broadcasting swag and we just posted a picture of our uh, awesome turned out so awesome these are vinyl stickers for linux fest northwest we got a special design for uh, 2014 linux fest northwest if you're going there you should grab a sticker and you can uh, look over on um, Instagram.com slash Jupiter and you see a picture of our awesome sticker. I'm really, really happy. Angela did a great job working on that. We've got great stuff like, here's a picture of my black hand. All kinds of good stuff to see what we're up to when, uh, you know, we're not on air. Instagram.com slash Jupiter broadcasting you stay up to date with the crew and the events that we're doing. All kinds of interesting things are showing up over there all the time. Angela's been keeping that feed posted and updated And uh, as we add more swag and as we add more stuff to the studio, you'll probably see it show up in that feed. In fact, there's some geeky wiring pictures in there, too. We just got done a bunch of wiring at the studio and took some pictures of that. So, Instagram.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Heather, what do you say we do a news bite? Let's go. All right, Heather, what's in the news bite today?
1: All right. You may have seen on the news a little flashy headline saying new dwarf planet beyond Pluto. Sure. Are we at nine planets once again? (laughs) All right. Obviously, we know that flashy headlines are flashy headlines to make you click. Right. And come over there. So there are, you know, astronomers have been hunting for these kind of distant objects in this area. What these are, are part of the inner Oort cloud. So it's, you know, you have all the planets and then you have these kind of various Clouds of stuff, a whole bunch of small objects. Now, they're thinking there's some objects that are close, maybe even up to Mars or earth size objects. But they're so far out there, it's all about finding them. And they found one like this before. Now, this one, they've actually, they kind of caught it in their first observing run back in November of 2012, which sort of was a totally off-the-wall Really lucky thing. Mm. Their fifth image of hundreds they would you know snap for months. They were able to track this object until they're able to make its full orbit. Now there have been other similar objects in the last decade, um, kind of belonging to this inner part of the Oort cloud. Now it's it's kind of amusing. Its name is officially 2012 VP113.
0: Okay, that's not totally exciting, Heather. I'm gonna be honest no, with you. No,
1: but. Since there's a VP in there, the team sort of jokingly calls it Biden for the U.S. Vice President. Wow! So that (laughs) I I shook my head at that one. But this is this this is not what you'd say like a normal planet. It is one fifth the size of Pluto. It's just 450 kilometers. Okay. Now to kind of put it on a a scale that's easier to imagine, if Pluto was a basketball, this new object could be a golf ball.
0: Okay. Okay. That's now, pretty small, it, Heather.
1: Yeah. It's ranges. It's not a circular orbit. It's very elliptical. It goes from 80, t- like the distance between the Earth and the Sun is called an AU, astronomical unit. This one goes from 80 of those to 452 of those. Whoa. So from 80 to 452 times the distance from the Earth to the Sun. Now, it never gets anywhere near Neptune or Pluto. That's, the nearest they are is 30 and 40. So it's well past that. Pluto orbits about every 248 years. So it's a long orbit. This little world orbits 4,340 years. So this is not what you'd say the typical, quote, ninth planet we have again or 10th planet. It's not really that. It's just a very large object that we found on the inner side of this Oort cloud. Now, what it helps us do is it helps us kind of track out the growth of this the solar system itself and that these kind of distant objects were there, too. And how did they get there? And how did they form at these sizes and these orbits? You know, are they, you know, were they made at the start of the solar system and maybe a nearby star sort of? jostled them around, kind of dragged them towards into different orbits that bring them close enough for us to be able to see them. Hmm. So.
0: Boy, I could, the the imagination almost runs wild with the possibilities. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I, so why why do we call this a dwarf planet and not just uh, an asteroid or something like that? Why? What makes, is it because it's in, even though it's a very wide orbit, because it's in a stable orbit, that makes it a dwarf planet?
1: Uh, yeah, you have to, there's various, um, in order to have a planet, you have to have so many check marks. Okay. You have to be sort of circular where, it, you know, the your rotation has made you essentially a sphere. You have to have okay. you know, some sort of orbit, some sort of different size. And then one of the big things, the reason that nothing in the asteroid belt can be called a planet Or part of the reason why uh, Pluto can't is because you have to have your whole orbit cleared of other debris. Okay. There can't be anything else in the way. Now, my guess is this one has something to do with the widely elliptical path of this object and the fact that it definitely doesn't have its whole orbit cleared of debris because it goes out to the Oort cloud itself. And there's a lot of smaller stuff Mm. out there, ice and rocks and such.
0: Well, that makes. I guess that does make some sense, then because yeah, the chat room's like it just sounds like a big rock, but that I see it fits some certain requirements. You know, science, yeah, her- Heather. It's always got these requirements and definitions. I know parameters, but
1: the, <laughs> but the headlines were so eye catching.
0: Yeah, I thought we were about ready to, to travel to, there.
1: We had another <laughs> planet. No, yeah, no, <laughs> it does fit into the you know into the realm of dwarf planet. So oh, yeah. it joins Pluto and sort of some of the asteroids.
0: Very cool. And for those of you on the audio feed, be sure you go check the show notes. Heather has some cool stuff in there. All right, Heather, what do you say we do some two bite news? I could bring the band in. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. All right, Heather, what are we talking about in the two bite news?
1: I think the band spiked your drink. Um, <laughs> So scientists have unveiled a new dinosaur found in the Dakotas of the continental U.S. Oh,
0: is it uh, cute and adorable and uh, cuddly?
1: No, oftentimes these guys are not quite oh. adorable and cuddly. Oh. This is a 500-pound sharp-clawed, um, sort of around the time with the T-Rex was there. Uh, they've had three partial skeletons of this dinosaur- found before, they could almost make up a full skeleton of it. They were excavated from some rock formations in North and South Dakota. Okay. Now of course, you know, all these kind of quote new dinosaur discoveries are really things that of fossils found years ago because it takes a little while for you to be able to piece everything together, make sure everything is okay, make sure that it all makes sense. Now get your paper written. Now double check your paper in this whole long process. But this little dinosaur, little, eh, about <laughs> 11 and a half feet long, five feet tall at the hip and weighed about 400 to 650 pounds or so. Now it's toothless beak. So it had a beak, had a tail, probably a rounded crest, like a cassowary, um, one of those type of ground birds that you find in Australia and New Guinea. Now, it's kind of similar to that, this cassowary ostrich type thing. Not particularly, but it kind of gives you a basic idea.
0: It it also has um, um, particularly long arms.
1: Yes, that is one of the big things that is the... Major difference. It has, you know, very long neck, very strong hind legs. Kind of
0: arms it looks like you could reach out and scratch your face off with.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, now this guy was probably mostly omnivorous. Vegetation, small animals, eggs. It lived in a wet floodplain, so it's not necessarily going after big game. Like, people, even me.
0: Even, okay, all right.
1: I would be just slightly taller. Are you sure,
0: Heather? You might, I don't know. Okay, all right, okay.
1: Yes, as long as it wasn't standing up, like stretching up on its toes, then yes, (laughs) it might think that I was too much effort to try to go and have a snack on. You
0: keep telling yourself that.
1: Yep, I will. Now, the two skeletons that they've actually found, uh, one of them had a broken and healed rib. The other one had an arthritic toe bone. May have been caused by, like, where a tendon, like, ripped off a piece of bone, so it kind of, some damage. So these are injuries, may have come with combat between two individuals, may have been them trying to get away from a larger predator.
0: Dinosaur fight.
1: Yep, never really know, but it definitely did show that they kind of got in scuffles and continued on. But huh. they they were, a lot of the headlines were calling them, quote, chicken from hell.
0: Yeah, well, the feathers on this thing are quite pronounced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really something. I mean, like the tail's got feathers sticking off of it. The long, scary face-scratcher arms have uh, feathers that stick off of it. And it looks like it has a full feather coating. Yeah. Uh, and, you know... But we're
1: finding more and more of these yes. dinosaurs that we're saying they have some amount of feathers. Right. But there's just a little bit of fluff or proper feathers. But
0: that one in particular seems to have quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Just from looking at those uh, looking at those pictures of it, at least. At least if their concepts are correct, I suppose. Well, Heather, uh, the computer here is flashing at me, and it says that Uh this is either going to send the Sci-by 2000 around the sun until it travels back in time and saves whales, or or it is a spacecraft update. Here I go. Okay. Uh No slingshot effect today. It is a spacecraft Uh update. Heather, what do we got?
1: All right. The European Space Agency has a cometary spacecraft that's called Rosetta, and it sent a wake-up call to the little lander that they have writing on it. Oh, it's okay. been asleep for 33 months or so. And now it's they've woken it up and they've started it for um, its upcoming moment in the sun. The lander itself will actually touch down on the surface of a comet in November of this year.
0: Ooh.
1: And act, they're able to wake it up, confirm that they had it woken up and everything was okay. They've got some initial signals going out, but sort of the, the start of Building up to the excitement in November of actually landing a object on the surface of a comet.
0: So this is uh, gonna drive around the comet. It's not like a smash no. in and blow out a bunch of rock and then see what we can find. No, this we've is, had
1: the smash in where yeah. it's you go in, but no, this is gonna be just sort of a soft landing. Be able to take pictures.
0: Oh, cool! In November too, it's like in space yes. terms, that's like right around the corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, even in you know us terms, it's yeah. not. That distant away. No,
0: it's like I can actually fathom that that time amount. We'll be that's able awesome. to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Okay, I look forward to that. Uh, and uh, we also have a little opportunity update, don't we?
1: Do opportunity rover never to be outdone by its younger Curiosity rover cousin. <laughs> opportunity rover got a seventy percent boost in power over the last couple of
0: weeks. Oh wow!
1: So. There's part of it being a seasonal effect because the season is actually more conductive. It's heading into spring for more power. But more importantly, there were a number of dust cleaning events, either (laughs) strong winds or perhaps some uh, little dust devils that went over and cleaned off the solar panels. And the difference is amazing. There were some pictures that they had back in um, January, December that they kind of took of the top of the rover. Right. It's very, very dusty very very coated and these new pictures it looks clean Good. Good. like you've had a little can of air and just sprayed off the whole thing
0: i mean a 70 percent boost that's yeah th- that's no joke
1: yeah there was a couple of different events uh but now we're back up to a much stronger levels that's
0: awesome so the science will continue then
1: yes the science will hopefully continue
0: Speaking of continuing science, while we're up in Mars, are you ready to go do a Curiosity update? Let's go. And lift off of the Atlas V with Curiosity. Touchdown confirmed. Receive
1: on Mars.
0: All right, Heather, how is our favorite rover doing?
1: All righty. We are getting into our next location of science excitement. Okay. The rover has now reached its vantage point, for it's cameras that are kind of surveying the rocks intersecting it around it. Now they're at the spot on the map that they've been heading towards. It's a little bit of a rise, gives a great view of all sorts of things around it, so they're being able to take a whole bunch of pi- picturesque uh, scenes. But they're also looking. To stay here for a couple of weeks of observations, sample drilling—they'll actually be drilling again, doing some you know scientific analysis of these rocks. So it's pretty much the most expansive scientific sit-down discovery since the first half of last year. Mm. So they're really looking forward to looking about looking about um, all the different things they can find about the rocks in this location.
0: Yeah. Look at that go. Well, that's very awesome. That's very awesome. I can't wait to see back some pictures of the stuff they come across. Oh, yes, that'll be great. Are you ready to jump in the time machine, Heather? Should we do it? Yeah, let's go. Close the door, Heather. I to
1: close the door.
0: You know, what happens is uh, sometimes one of the belts gets caught in there, so you got to make sure you get the belt out of the closure, otherwise, we might go forward in time, and that would be very embarrassing. But thankfully, uh, everything worked out. This week, we're going back 55 years ago, April 9th, 1959. Heather, what happened this week in science?
1: NASA announced the selection of America's first seven astronauts for Project Mercury. Oh. Yes, from 110 applicants Scott Carpenter, Gordon Cooper, John Glenn, Gus Grissom, Wally Shura, Alan Shepard, and Donald Slayton were very excited to know that their training program, which had started to be Astronauts. I mean, these guys had everything from graduate level courses in space science to <laughs> simulator training, scuba diving. These are kind of the, oh, the wow. first group.
0: Yeah, uh, the scuba diving thing is particularly interesting. I suppose that makes a lot of sense when you think about it.
1: Yeah. Well, in the you know more modern terms, they're doing they do underwater.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the movie. Yeah. So
1: yeah. So that would be. Something similar-ish where you could learn to, you know, maybe they were facing down and kind of doing things underwater as best as they could.
0: Yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah, 55 years ago. First yeah. Day. that's doesn't actually seem that long ago.
1: Yeah. For but everything the, that's gone on. Yeah. He,
0: but at the same time. First dating
1: like, team.
0: I guess it shows you uh, really how, if we, if we really put our minds to it, we could get back to it, I think. Because 55 oh. years isn't that long. It's not that far. No.
1: And it's all been flashes of movement very forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let me recalibrate the side by 2,000 so that way we can look up into the sky this week. What do we got?
1: All right. Planet-wise, we've got Venus, still the morning star, early in the east to southeast. So we able to see that. Very bright and shiny. Mars this week, totally the star of the show. Oh, it's, really? Yes. Opposition, which means that they're... Mars is the direct opposite of the sun from our perspective, which means it's the brightest and it will take the whole night. You'll be able to see it all night long. That is actually tonight is the uh, specific, which means Tuesday night. Um, but you'll still be able to see it pretty much all night throughout the week. Okay, It'll rise in the Southeast. You'll have a bright uh, star spike about six degrees to its right, which is about uh, three or four finger widths held at arm's length. And those two are always good to see together because Mars is a Mm reddish-orange and Spica, the star, is a blue-white star. So they kind of give a good color comparison there. They'll be highest around 1 a.m. and going all the way down and setting at dawn. Of course, we've got Jupiter. At twilight, it's high in the southeastern sky, crossing nearly overhead around 8 or 9 p.m. and setting in the west about 2 or 3 a.m. So... It's kind of getting to bed finally, not staying (laughs) up all night like crazy craziness. Uh, Saturn, about 10 p.m. You can see it rise. It'll be the highest uh, point in the south around 3 a.m. And by then, it's way to the far left of Mars and Spica.
0: See that? That's that's great. That is a great sky this week. There's a lot of big actors up there, some big names. It's like the movies, the summer movies are coming out, at least the summer stars. Yep. <laughs> Heather has all of that listed over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Just look for sidebite 125, scroll down, everything is in chronological order that we followed it in the show and uh, that is towards the very bottom of the show notes. And you know what? It it just fits for your cell phone so like, you know when you're at your party and you're trying to be super cool and you're like, "Hey girl, this is what that star is." You can just be all casual and look on your looking on your phone real quick before you talk big. And we won't we won't tell anybody. Just listen to sidebite. That's all we care about. Heather, is there anything else we want to cover this week?
1: Not that I could think
0: of. All right. Well, very good. I apologize that we missed last week's episode. That was my fault. We had uh, some electrical installations go extra, extra long, extra long. And uh, we didn't even wrap up until uh, about a half hour from right now. So oh. it was it was crazy. But uh, we'll try to keep everything posted and up to date as possible over at jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar, And one way you can always avoid missing a future episode of Cybite is just by subscribing. Over on every edition of the show notes, right underneath the direct download links, there's RSS feeds. You put that in your favorite RSS client, and then you know what? You automatically get SciByte, and you don't have to even think about it. Heather, Hi. thanks for the great show. Thank you. No, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week's episode of SciBite. Be sure you join us live over JBLive.tv on a Tuesday. And you can find the times over on jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We'd love to have you live and hang out in our chat room. But if you can't join us live, then you can always grab the show brand new Wednesday mornings over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you right back here next week.